Why, hello and a howdy, we're so very glad to see you Cause we're getting kinda rowdy and we've got a lot to say And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away That's pretty exciting, right Omega? Indeed! Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to HIAC Talk Radio. We're doing a one for this week. Uh, it's been a long day. We're going sleeveless. Uh, it's a hell of a way to come back from vacation. I, I, I enjoyed my extended vacation. I took that. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stream. Uh, extended holiday vacation to uh, celebrate the independence of this a country of just for white people from England. <laughs> See, Craig thought Craig was about to say something. I was like, no, no, hold on, take this ride with me. Hold on, let me get my shot in. Uh, 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 and, and took an extra day to laugh at people who were arguing about the, the fact. Beautiful thing. I loved it. I'm Dan Caltico. Follow my sarcasm at Dan Law 83. Uh, but anyway, it was a great time to uh, come back from vacation to go right to the emergency vet. Everything's fine, though. Um, Craig, where can people follow you? Uh, they can follow me. Uh, and where Dan will go sleeveless, I will add sleeves. And uh, that's how we complete each other. So. Yes. You can follow me, Craig Lagans, at Craig Lagans on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at C R A I G L I G E O N S. We are literally the opposite sides of the spectrum. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I guess we'll open it up with this just because we're going to just do a historian centric episode this week. So I will, of course, let Craig take the reins in a minute. But I guess this falls under a historian because this is a man who has been brought up on the historian a million times because he's probably one of the greatest wrestlers who then reinvented himself, who then reinvented himself and never went away. And one that some argue probably shouldn't have stayed away <laughs> for a long time <laughs> because he kept doing those sideways moonsaults that scared the shit out of everybody. <laughs> and we're talking about, of course, uh, the Funker himself, Terry Funk. And unfortunately, it looks like that he is battling. Um, he's in the throes of dementia, unfortunately. And, and, and I know people, you know, let's not talk about head trauma. We, we, we know. We know wrestling. We, we know all about that. So we're not going to focus on the, oh, he should have done better. We're not going to sit here and criticize Terry because we all get it. We all understand. Um. But yeah, he's a 77 and um, I don't know what to say. Some of us saw this coming, but uh, that's sad news because, as I said, Craig, the man, you'd think he'd go away and then he'd come back again. And then he'd think he'd go away and then he'd be on Nitro. And then he'd go away and then he'd be on Raw. It's like vice versa. You get what I mean. He he was always there. There wasn't a decade until recently where Terry Funk wasn't somewhere. That he was, and that's the long-lasting legacy of the Funker, because he has introduced. He, he was introduced to me in the seventies, but he has reintroduced himself to a generation of fans 
over and over and over again. There was ECW fans that were coming to watch Terry Funk wrestle in the mid-90s who had never seen him wrestle before, who had no idea of the history of the man's uh, great matches and great feuds with some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He reinvented himself in, uh, in ECW. But five years prior to that, though, he introduced he reintroduced himself all over again to fans, longtime NWA fans who thought he was gone during his feud with Ric Flair in 1989 through 1990. It culminated in probably the greatest I quit match to me uh, still holds up uh, going on almost 30 years now with, with uh, Ric Flair. And then he goes away and he comes back and reinvents himself as Terry Funk in ECW. Goes away, you know, it's like, okay, well, he's had his time. And there he is in, in WCW. And he goes away and there he comes back under a mask as Chainsaw Charlie during the Monday Night Wars with his old friend Cactus Jack. And they would win the WWF Tag Team Championships. Uh, and this was almost 30 years after he won the NWA Heavyweight Championship. And Terry Funk did all of this his whole career, and he's done so much, and he's continued to do so much. Sorry. I don't know why Siri wanted to chime in there. That's the second. It did it to Paul, and it did it to you. Yeah. So we're, we're on a roll. It's yeah, okay. we are on a roll. But Terry Funk, when we pointed this out many times on the historian, Dan, for all of his great things that he's done and for all the the – the incredible moments that he's given us, he was only world champion once. Travis that was it. Travis. One time. Make held many, yeah, held many world championships after that in different territories, but it was the NWA heavyweight championship, the most important title in professional wrestling at the time, but he only held it once. But he had a legacy that went throughout, and the feuds he had that were Still, I hate to keep using the word legendary, but with Terry Funk, you can't give him any other adjective for a man that had the career that he's had. Feuds with against Dusty Rhodes, against Jerry Lawler, against the aforementioned Ric Flair, with against the, the, the Sandman in ECW, against Cactus Jack in Japan. I mean, the guy just kept the, going on and on and on. And... Thankfully, he was still wrestling. Well, he kept wrestling. I don't think he ever he ever stopped. He's the only person I know who never had an official retirement match. But you know, he kept going. Uh, he tried. He tried. My God, he tried. So much of his stuff is available on YouTube. And like Terry Funk said on in his in one of his goodbye matches in Japan after the last time he and Dory uh, wrestled in Japan, I'm gonna love you forever. Forever, forever. And I do believe Terry Funk is indeed forever because, you know, Dan, we've on this historian and just being professional wrestling fans that we are, we've had to say goodbye to so many great legends over the years. A lot of them, but way before their time. And even the ones that have had a long life that we've said goodbye to. And it's very sad. But Terry Funk uh, is still with us, and he won the last of one of the last of the traveling champions, 
you know, guys that went all over to every single territory defending the uh, the NWA title, along with his brother, Dory, who's still with us as well. Uh, so it's like we're, we're he's like one of our last links to uh, the glory days of professional wrestling. And I'll tell you, you know, there, uh, there's a segment about the glory days. You know, people talk about, well, you know, the wrestlers now, they wrestle in front of, you know, so many fans and they've had the pay-per-view ratings and this and TV ratings that and the uh, the golden age of professional wrestling was when there was sellouts in every state uh, and the NWA champion, namely Terry Funk, would go to every state and would go to every territory and defend the heavyweight championship against the top heel or babyface there because that's what the NWA champion did. That's what made the NWA title the most prestigious title in all of professional wrestling, including the World Wrestling Federation. Um, and Terry Funk, and so being the NWA champion meant that you were not only the best man in the NWA, you were the number one guy in all of professional wrestling because the NWA covered more territory than any wrestling, ter- any wrestling federation in the United States that included the WWF. So uh, that's no small feat. And so Terry, uh, we still hang on to him because I guess Terry Funk never always held on to professional wrestling. He never let it go. And he gave fans so many, so many great memories. And he still is. Um, Because we, there is not a a Terry Funk moment that you'll never forget. Mine was uh, 2010. At heart, the first hardcore homecoming at the ECW arena, it was the Dudleys came back when they were wrestling in the WWF to wrestle Sabu and Terry Funk. And I called it the Bronk and Funk connection. <laughs> Terry Bronk and Terry Funk. Well, Terry, the ropes with the, the ring was not the best. And uh, the, the three, the Dudleys and Sabu were battling out on the on the floor and Terry was setting up to do a moonsault, but he was as steady as a baby giraffe. So you had fans yelling, no, don't do a full flip, Terry, please don't do it. And he wound up, he wound up just doing a nesty plunge in the, <laughs> just like a, a early version of the coffin drop folks for the Darby Allen fans uh, onto the waiting Dudley boys and Sabu. And they had, he got the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, they almost died. He almost died, but they got the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, but that was Terry Funk at 64, folks. When I'm 64, (laughs) doing that that (laughs) that dive. So that was 13 years ago. That was only 13 years ago. That's the thing. Only 13 years ago. He put he he literally helped put ECW on the map, as as alluded to by you. I mean they they have a lot to owe to uh, a run. You know, everybody always talks about how it ended and um, then everybody talks about how it started. But my point being is that I don't think that gets the notoriety of all the people that came through. No. ECW. I don't think it gets the notoriety it does without Terry. Terry Funk legitimized ECW because he put it over and he made it uh, and gave the rub to so many guys. Even someone like JT Smith, he gave the rub to. You know, out of you know, and Sandman and Raven and Stevie and um, Sabu. Um, 
it was amazing. When it, and the first pay-per-view the ECW ever had, Terry Funk was in the main event. Because that's how... Because who the hell else you putting in that main event? Exactly. <laughs> Except the guy that made ECW, ECW. Um, and it was Eddie Gilbert who brought in Terry Funk um, to ECW to continue a few that they had only in the Northeast. They never wrestled anywhere else but in Philadelphia. But um, that opened the door for Terry to come to ECW along with Paul Lee. And uh, he legitimized ECW. And he legitimized a lot of, again, made more wrestling fans over the last three decades than anyone. And, you know, the, for the, 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 the Chainsaw Charlie fans that only saw him would tagging with Cactus Jack, you know, to the ECW fans, they only remember him from ECW to the, the hardcore NWA fans. and only remember him from his feud with, with Ric Flair. To me, who watched him win the NWA title on championship wrestling from Florida and then feud with Dusty Rhodes, that egg-sucking dog. Um, and that's another thing. The Terry Funk promo. No one did a promo like Terry Funk. No. Nope. <laughs> And in in an era now where we there's writers and you're told what to say and this is how you say it, you give Terry Funk a microphone or even a commentator to hold the microphone, and he will do he will do a promo that will scare the crap out of you, scare the crap out of whoever is holding the microphone, especially if it's Lance Russell who for some reason he just loved to poke and prod and Lance, you banana nose, you know Jerry Lawler's got you on his side and he's got the referees on his side and he's got the Tennessee State Athletic Commission on his side and that's why Jerry Lawler, I want you in an empty arena where no one can help you because they're all on your side. Um, the first empty arena match, Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler. Um, the first, people say, they still say, the first hardcore match ever uh, between Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler. Uh, but again, trendsetter, that's who Terry Funk is, and Terry Funk was, and Terry Funk will always be known for. Really don't know what else to say other than that. I do want to just harp on the NWA thing. Please. The NWA championship thing. Uh, I don't know if it's more insulting to not get a title or to get it once and never get it again. Now, one can make an argument that Terry Funk is an anomaly where neither company, neither a company needed him to be the champion and neither did he need to be a champion. Mm-hmm. But it's still baffling to, to like reinvent himself that many times to never <laughs> gain a world championship again is is staggering. And I loved that, that NWA WCW run in 89. Yeah. 90, where he came back as a, an announcer and then immediately was like, nah, yeah. you know what? He wasn't bad. No, he wasn't. He was really, he was actually, I'll take that back. He wasn't, wasn't bad. He was actually good. He was good at it. I remember rewatching it when I was before the network went to Peacock and I'm still waiting for more stuff to get uploaded before I restart my, uh, Chrono- uh, chronological thing where I'm in 92. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that going, 
hey, he's really good. <laughs> like, yeah. What's going on here? No, because he wanted to clock Ric Flair. That's what he wanted yeah. to do. And but what? And after that feud ended, you know, he went he went back to being a commentator. Because remember, he was the one in the ring interviewing the Horsemen when they turned on Sting. So that's uh, right. Yes, and he slapped. Yeah, because yeah. he said we came to help you, but when you know when you came out to help Flair when we were trying to take care of this guy, pointing to this Harry Funk who was holding the microphone. So they kind of segued him right into being an announcer, which I which he didn't want to do, and that was a Jim Hurd thing. Just he did the same thing with Jim Cornette, didn't want him to be a manager, wanted him to be an announcer. Um, but I I want to go back to your NWA thing for a second because I have some NWA. Uh, title news and historian. Um, why Terry only held it once, as did Dory Funk Jr. In the four years he was champion, uh, he only held it once. He was even though he was a standard bearer as far as wrestling goes for four years, and no one held the title longer than Terry than Dory Funk Jr. Um, until Dan Severn did it almost. That's right. Yep. Years later. That's right. Um. But he only held it once because the 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 NWA champion's schedule uh, was insane. I mean, 350 days a year was not an exaggeration. That's what the NWA champion wrestled. Um, and it's different towns every night. It's twice on Sunday. And it's uh, Charlotte, uh, Toronto, Atlanta, Miami, Dallas, Los Angeles. Uh, and to the point where some couldn't do it. Um, Harley Race at the end couldn't do it. That I, I, I Ricky Steamboat didn't want to do it. Uh, Flair was one, was the, the only one that I want to do it. I want to keep doing it. That's all I want to do. Uh, which is why he was tailor made to be NWA champion, as was Harley Race. And Harley Race wasn't. A fan of the travel, he was a fan of the money, and he was a fan of, of competition, and he was a fan of wrestling. Why? Which is why he held it eight times, and a lot of his reigns were only were short ones, were favors to the promoter. Tommy Rich held it, you know, five days as a favorite Jim Barnett in Georgia, and because of Tommy Rich's drawing attraction, Dusty's first run was five days as a favorite Eddie Graham. Uh, his two reigns with Baba, that was their NWA's uh, All Japan uh, meet good. Uh, there, when Race did two tours in Japan, he would lose a title to Baba his first day, and he went it back before he left. Because that's what Race did, and that's who Race was. But by 83, he was done with it. And when they gave Fl uh, Flair his first run with it, he said he wasn't particularly ready his first run from 81 to uh, 83 and uh, it wore on him. So that summer when they put it back on race, gave flair time to regroup and recondition himself. And the whole flair for the gold campaign started in the Carolinas and would culminate in the very first starcade. That was when flair was ready to take back the mantle because he knew that he, his run, he was suited for the travel for the NWA. Because the, the the gimmick that he created for himself, limousine riding, jet flying, that's all he wanted to do. Yep. Yeah, and again, that's not all. They all went. Uh, Dory was Dory Funk was sick of it. 
Terry Funk couldn't do it. Um, Flair could, and Flair wanted to more than anything else. Yep. And and the fun and Terry Funk's been married to you know one person, has yeah. one family, and Rick's personal life was a shamble. Yes. Uh, but hey, he did it for our sac- he sacrificed for our good. Yes, and we and it, we owe that to every single professional wrestler Absolutely. that we see and that we've loved over the years. This- uh, we do thank you, especially. Mr. Joe Gacy. Yes. Mr. Joe Gacy, who, thank you, sir, for your service, who has been working unbelievably hard for years. Um, Most uh, Northeast wrestling fans know who Chainsaw Joe Gacy is. Um, Sloppy Joe, sometimes labeled (laughs) because uh, CZW fans are sometimes not the brightest. Looking at gift... (laughs) gift horses right in the mouth not understanding what they're watching but some some Uh, Joe Gacy made his WWE debut his TV debut this uh, past weekend on an entry match uh, for NXT breakout and was featured tonight of course on the lineup for those who are going to be on the breakout tournament uh, looking as only to steal a line from one of our previous men in our discussion Previous discussion, looking as only as he can look right the camera, dead ass, uh, from Batstone, New Jersey. And it's a hell of a thing to see. So congratulations, Joe Gacy. I hope you take this as far as you can go to the top is where I want to see you. Yes. Uh, but just seeing Joe Gacy on national TV is quite an achievement. You know, we've had the pleasure, Dan, of watching so many people that we watched in small high school gymnasiums in independent shows in the Northeast. So, but when we, it's never not a thrill when we see them on national TV, Mercedes, I'm going all, I'm looking at my memories on Facebook, going all the way back to Claudio. I still, you all know him as Cesaro, but we know him as Claudio Castiglione that I've paid to watch more times than I can count in a, in the Ring of Honor and at the ECW arena, but seeing him on TV still gives me a thrill. Seeing Mercedes now gives me a thrill. Uh, the great Drew Gulak, who was on our favorite radio station last week, uh, who did a little run-in on Monday Night Raw uh, yesterday, uh, but even seeing just a little bit of him is a big deal. Uh, speaking of little bit, I know this wasn't on our itinerary, and listeners and viewers of HIAC Talk Radio, uh, Dan and I go through a stringent, um, before we go on the air, uh, itinerary of what we're going to talk about before we go on. It's a tight schedule that we go through in a format that we've set uh, for ourselves. We do that before every show. Uh, but I'm going to go off, off format a little uh, nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody take <laughs> seriously what he's saying. There's never been a four and a half here. <laughs> Just to get some it. would argue, some would argue that it shows. Yes. No, really? No. no. <laughs> but I wanted to get your opinion because this is news that uh, broke early this morning. It's apparently it happened last night again. Uh, Jimmy Uso was, oh. was arrested for drunk driving again. And his mugshot has played his placed all over social media again, right when he's in the middle of a big push again. So uh, what do we do, Dan? Uh, Well, what we don't do is joke about it. 
what we yeah. don't do is make jokes or make humor out of some. Listen, alcoholism is an addiction. It is an illness. It is a disease. He's got yeah. problems. He's got problems that look at the trouble Jeff Hardy had for years. Yeah. Uh, look at, uh, you know, I always go back to our conversation uh, with Tolly Blanchard in 2012 mm-hmm. about a battle with drugs and other substances mm-hmm. and how some days are better. Sometimes it's not, but every day is a battle of some sort. Yeah. To not go back mm-hmm. to do it again. Uh, and uh, two two things. First of all, he needs to he needs to help. But the only problem is when you have an addiction like the only problem, air quotes. One of the problems is when you have an addiction like that. When you want help, you will get the help. Yeah, uh, seen it firsthand, uh, firsthand and secondhand, folks. Mm-hmm. Not claiming to be an expert, just speaking from experience. Um, could happen six or seven times until that person is ready. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Now, the argument being, of course, he's driving drunk. He's putting other lives at risk. And I have no argument against that. Uh, but he needs to realize that he needs help and get it fixed before it becomes a, another Jeff Hardy thing. When he shows up to work inebriated or worse when he's driving. Uh, first of all, you're in the WWE. WWE, can somebody get a driver for him? There's my first suggestion. Yeah. Get him a driver. Mm-hmm. Don't enable the man's drinking, but get a driver. Yeah, just just pay a guy to drive. That's all. That's his only. You job. fired a bunch of people. Yeah. You got some extra cash. Get a get get a driver. Yeah. Uh, what you also don't do is back to do back what you used to do in the '90s and fire anybody who had the first hint of an addiction and do nothing to help them. Now we know the WWE. Through all of the ups and downs of bad things that that company's done in the years, we do know that 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 their support for uh, some of it's too little, too late. But we do know that their support for people who are fighting addiction Mm -hmm. is certainly an almost complete one hundred and eighty from what it used to be. You know that China documentary just aired recently, and there's there's how not to do it, right? Now you have an opportunity, you know, they've made opportunities recently where they've been able to help people, but uh, he needs help. He does. But until he knows this, uh, you know, wrestling fans who are calling for him to lose his spot and not be featured on TV, who then go and defend old school wrestling when half of those guys are driving to shows, um, that's a little annoying to me mm-hmm. to watch that hypocrisy. But he's also dark skinned. So a lot of people have a lot more things to say. No, I feel terrible. I feel terrible that he was drunk driving again and somebody could have gotten hurt. Uh, and I feel terrible that he's still dealing with this. It's a bad situation. Yeah. And uh, your first step is to get somebody, you know, get somebody to chaperone him. Yeah, there I said it. Mm-hmm. He's an adult, but until you start f- drinking responsibly like an adult, you, you gotta you, hold your hand, buddy. 
you have responsibility to be there on TV because they're booking you in an angle. You have responsibility to not drive and kill somebody. And you have responsibility yourself to get get it taken care of. But again, that is going to only happen when you your body goes, I got it. I got it. I got to stop. Right. Your thoughts. Uh, yeah, everything you just said. Um, this, you know, this isn't a mistake. This isn't um, uh, poor judgment. Um, this is <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> this, yes, this this is a disease, um, and that one that is one that is curable. And this is not, unfortunately, the first time that uh, WWE has had a superstar with multiple drunk driving. And you mentioned Jeff Hardy uh, and how many chances he's had uh, in multiple companies. Uh, not just the WWE, but the WWE has been very good at um, helping folks um, that want the help. And I pointed to my shirt with Eddie, the uh, wellness policy that's more stringent now than it was before um, was ramped up after after his death in 2005. Um, a little too little, too late. Yeah, but yeah, but but one of the six, uh, Stephen Regal is probably the biggest success, success story. story. Yeah, um, from the WWE's um, rehab facility because he was someone whose rampant alcohol use was destroying his life, but he was. At least we got him beating the crap out of the guy uh, Kevin Dubrow. Yeah. <laughs> At least we got that story because, you know, yeah, you deserved it. <laughs> yeah. And just for, you know, just for come on feeling noise alone. Um, but uh, yeah, so but I, I can see the WWE's position, namely uh, Triple H, um, who I've never been a fan of, but in the ring, but outside of the ring, he's a guy who has stuck his neck out for more wrestlers and more uh, people that he's believed and he he has more of a responsibility uh he's shown more of a responsibility to to his wrestler than any you saw he didn't know that samoa joe got fired and what did he do as soon as he found that out brought it right same thing with zelina yeah, excuse me get the yeah. fuck back in here yes and don't ever do that so with triple h's on triple h's side he's in i obviously i'm just spe- but he's incredibly pissed um because it's- of the because this is on on him because these are people that he's vouched for the people that he stood behind i mean and triple h has a relationship with all of the wrestlers on the wd he still was he was uh still in contact with dean ambrose after he left uh because ambrose had some hospital issues and had some injuries to take care that's of. right um um his oh wife, man, i'm blanking on her name though renee renee was uh yeah. uh, uh very open about how when he heard he was injured, Triple H reached out. What do you need? Do you need anything? Yeah. Don't forget. Don't be afraid. Give us a call. We'll take, you know. So when a guy like Jimmy Uso goes off the band again, uh, when Triple H is going out of his way to show any wrestler who had any problems that you, I, you work with me and we can, we can do something. We can, and I can, I can help you. And I mean, the, the quote, Jerry Maguire, they helped me help you. Yeah, yeah. But have Jimmy had this happen with Jimmy Uso again? Um, it's it's got to piss off Triple H, and I mean, obviously, the whole WWE. Uh, that's not the this is where this is time. This is the time you step in and go. All right, dude. 
Yeah. Now, like, first of all, I can't do that anyway. Mm-mm. But we we're gonna have to nip this in the bud, and and we're gonna have to figure out a way to get this taken care of because yeah, you're hurting yourself. You might hurt others. You're hurting the product. Mm-hmm. And yes, that is important because that's why he's there. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, I didn't need 14 versions of the 205 live joke. <laughs> I was being generous. 14,000. Yeah. Everybody thought they thought of the joke first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, just sorry that it happened. And yeah. I, not the news I wanted to wake up for. I mean, when I saw Jay, Jimmy Uso. He's not dead. Oh, thank God. That's exactly. Yeah. My, yeah, yeah. My At least first. he's not dead. Yeah. But then it went went from relief to just anger to just really again, and of course, yeah, you, you know, no, I just uh, you know I think about Jeff Hardy, you know, yeah, they wrote it into the story. What do you think that was doing to him? I mean, it might have been his idea. I don't know the probably behind but, it, but yeah, I, but I've never been a fan of of those angles, even if it is the okayed by the wrestler, because then I get mad at them and like, okay, but why would you okay this? Why would you think this would be good? I randomly, this past holiday weekend, I randomly picked a Nitro episode to watch. Uh And I picked it from October of 98, where the Wolfpack just spent the whole time beating up the NWO backstage. And Kevin took Conan and Lex to look for Scott. And this was in the midst of the storyline where Scott Hall was drinking at the ringside, drinking in the ring, drinking during the matches. Right in the midst of like the throes of the beginning of his alcohol abuse. And it just occurred to me watching this going, man, what a difference 20 years makes. Where 20 years ago, <laughs> look, they went to the bar, beat his drunk uh, uh, alcoholic ass up. 20 years later, oh, we should, yeah, get this, get this take care of, huh? Let's just yeah. take care so uh, what timing? No, I hope he's okay. And I, I and discipline aside, uh, now would be a good time to get him a driver and get him yeah. get 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 him fixed. Yeah, I don't know. Did it too. Yeah, hopefully that's the last of, and especially and it's like uh, they're all they're in the Thunderdome, so like they're they're not even traveling. They're not going from town to yeah, town. Yeah, where the fuck were you going? <laughs> yeah. That that was like probably the biggest thing. It's like they're not even back at, they're not even touring. I mean, like, go you go to the Thunderdome, drink, and then you know get a ride back to your place. Can't yeah. be that far, right? Mm-mm. Uber, they make them. They make Uber now. Yeah, you know that I do get annoyed when I see the stories of a celebrity, well, anybody mm-hmm. who will go home and 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 drive after drinking like a fish. And it's like, there are apps, man. You could get home without putting set. Uh, there's no excuse at that point. Yeah. It's just. Thank you. Where can people follow you? They can follow me if they so choose. And I'll leave a trail of candy so you can follow me uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram at Craig Lagans, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on all social media platforms at Danlaw83. Easy. 
the HIC Talk Radio Network, on your podcast app, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Type in the HIC Talk Radio Network. Big, brand new, beautiful, and black logo. Subscribe, please. We'd appreciate it. If you want to watch the video version, go to youtube.com slash danlaw83. If you want to watch us live next time, twitch.tv slash danlaw83. For Craig Lagans. For moi. Ciao.